Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connect featured on allhabs.net with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. How's it going, Habs fans? Happy to be back for another episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. This is episode 22. We've done 20, 21 episodes of this. This is the 22nd episode of Canadians Connection. Very fitting, the Dale Weiss episode of Canadians Connection. And uh, I'm thrilled to be joined once again by the Dale Weiss to my Brandon Pruss, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? Probably um, for some people, the most famous of all of the 22s is John Ferguson, but uh, that goes mm. back a ways. Um, yeah. But tougher in nails, uh, you know, stand up to anybody. Great in the in the, the Canadians Boston rivalries. Oh yeah, I was but going. But so is Dale Weiss. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. And I was going. I was looking back, and and yeah, you, you mentioned. Uh, Ferguson, and then obviously, I think I've mentioned Steve Shuff before, so I decided I'd maybe go in a different direction than that. So, uh, Dale Weiss to Brandon Press, because what's old is new again. The uh, 2014 roster. I mean, hey, uh, I, I don't know. I don't suppose Brandon Press can still play. Get him on the fourth line. Let's have a go. Let's have a look and see if that would do uh, Montreal any better. Uh, but anyways, it was a uh, it was a rather interesting week because we're going to talk a little bit about that fourth line. In just uh, probably in the in the second segment, a little bit later on this show. But before we get there, I guess I'll just recap this week as a whole for the Montreal Canadiens, and and they were riding high going into the weekend uh, after that that really big win over the Winnipeg Jets. They won five two in that game. But Saturday night, overtime loss against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, second overtime loss against the Leafs this season. Uh, four to three. Uh, it was it was a, a tough loss, and it really showed on the faces of the expressions of the Montreal Canadiens after that John Tavares goal to end it. And then uh, they followed that up uh, midweek with a loss, uh, three to one against the Nashville Predators. So this has been a, a tough stretch for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, uh, you know, in their schedule, not necessarily with how they played, but you know, you have Tampa Bay tonight. You you just played against Winnipeg, Toronto, and Nashville. And now you look at the standings, and yes, of course, you have Tampa Bay, who you're playing tonight, with 90 points in first place of the Atlantic Division. You have the Leafs with 75 points in second place. The Boston Bruins now with 74 points in third place in the Atlantic Division. And then you look at the wild card situation. You have Montreal with 69 points in the first position wild card, and you have Pittsburgh just behind them, two points behind, with 67 points. And don't and you want to keep your eye on the Carolina Hurricanes walking people off with 66 points, and uh, all of a sudden it's it's just become a little bit tighter. Didn't I tell you about a month or so, maybe even longer ago than that, to keep an eye on the Carolina Hurricanes, who were at that <laughs> point well, well back. But uh, yeah. they're the only team right now with a positive di- differential who's out of the playoffs. So, um uh, keep keep an eye on them. They're still they're still surging. Interesting yeah, are, though that yeah. that um, as you mentioned in the in the brief recap, uh, 
the last week we talked about what what kinds of things would be necessary for a long uh, playoff run with Montreal Canadiens. We mentioned the fourth line. We mentioned the power play. Uh, both kind of um, reared their ugly heads. Uh, the power play was um, uh, missed some opportunities against uh, uh, the Leafs, and and the fourth line was victimized for for two goals. And then um, again against Nashville, um, special teams yeah. uh, tough. Uh, uh, mistakes were were an issue, <laughs> and uh, again the, yeah. the the revamped uh, fourth line. Hmm. Not showing, not showing that they're an upgrade just yet, but we'll get to yeah. that a little bit later. Yeah, we will. And um, yeah, so I think that pretty much sums everything up from this past week. And maybe to go in a little bit more in depth, shall we start with some winners and losers? We shall. All right. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection. <laughs> All right. So. I'll get it started this week because uh, I know who uh, who you've got next up on on uh, with with your winner of the week, and, and, and I'm going to go with a guy that I believe, and you may disagree with this. I think that he has been this season a an unsung hero for the Montreal Canadiens. The way that he's played, and, and you look at this, uh, Andrew Shaw. He was on the ice for all four goals that the Canadians scored this past week, and I mean they only scored four of them but three in one game and you know, the one they scored against the national predators and he got back, he got with back in the lineup against the Toronto Maple Leafs, a big game Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. He comes out, gets the deflection on a Jeff Petrie shot, gets the Canadians off and running on the board first in a huge game. And he follows that up. I mean, you know, he was on the ice for that little flip shot by Tomas Tatar that fooled Freddie Anderson he was on the ice for uh, the, uh, and he got an assist actually with the uh, Max Domi to uh, Brendan Gallagher goal that got the Canadians back ahead of the Maple Leafs three to two. And then against the Nashville Predators, he was on the ice for the lone Tomas Tatar goal. This is a guy, when healthy, I think that he has been a huge part of what the Montreal Canadiens have done. After a rough start to this season, and we talked about it early on this season, I believe it might have been episode three. We talked about how Andrew Shaw had been, you know, just he looked out of place. He didn't look like he belonged on this team. And then fast forward to the middle of December, he's playing on a line with Max Domi and Jonathan Drouin. And since then, I think he's probably been one of Montreal's better players up front. I don't know if you would necessarily agree with that. It might be an exaggeration. But I think that Andrew Shaw, I mean, he's digging pucks out. He's winning battles. And, you know, he's playing at, like – and the two rings on his fingers will suggest this, but earlier this season we saw him playing with guys, you know, in the in the bottom six. And when he's elevated into a role playing with guys that are maybe more that are well, obviously more talented than him, but you know, when he's playing in that role where he's just got to dig pucks out and get to the front of the net, he's just been he's been remarkable for them. And and, and net front presence, he's getting pucks on that, he's getting to the front of the net. I just think that from this, like you look at a guy that's got 27 points in 38 games. I, I, I just think that Andrew Shaw has been giving you a lot of value on this team. And earlier this season, as I mentioned, he had the unenviable task of being the defensive conscience on a line that, you know, with, uh, with Max Domi and Jonathan Drouin, who while very talented players are not defensive stalwarts. And, and, you know, he was the guy that was really 
getting them involved on that side of the ice, or at least trying to do that. And I think that this this whole season, this uh, this uh, half of the season, or a little bit more than half of the season, Andrew Shaw, when healthy, a real unsung hero. You're right, and and it's um, you know given that he's missed uh, some uh, considerable time uh, this yeah. season. Uh, when you look, um, you know, in the top ten uh, Canadian scores, uh, and you see Andrew Shaw's name, he's he's obviously contributing, um, you know, 0.7 uh, points per game pace, which is which is very good. The the other part of it is is that um, you know he's he's the one that's a bit of a taskmaster and and uh, has been barking at Duran a, a fair bit, although. <laughs> Duran needed some barking against uh, Nashville. He made uh, kind of a critical error, a couple of errors there. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think uh, f- the, the, the issue is that um, in a healthy lineup, in a, uh, when, a, when a Paul Byron comes back, um, yeah. <laughs> you're, going to, you're probably going to see um, Andrew Shaw uh, drop. Um, and, um, you know, is he going to be on part of the, the, uh, reconfigured fourth line? And we'll be talking about that later. Um, but at, at what point does Andrew Shaw, uh, given that he's, he's performing so well, and I, I don't mean to, to turn this in a direction, but no, um, no. maybe Andrew Shaw becomes, um, part of your solution to some of the other issues that uh, the Canadians are facing because uh, he could be a very valuable trade piece given his outstanding season uh, for a playoff bound team. And that brings us to our Canadians connection question of the week. Uh, we want your answers. We want them on Twitter. We want them on Facebook. Uh, you can text us, text us at five, eight, five, three rocket call, uh, call our uh, studio. The number's 213-943-3754, 213-943-3754, and answer this question. Um, which players should Mark Bergevin make available to improve the Habs at the trade uh, deadline? Which, in your mind, are, which players are uh, expendable or, or uh, useful, I guess, in, in, yeah. in helping to improve um, the uh, Montreal Canadiens? And, and is... Andrew Shaw on your list or, or who's on your list? Um, yeah. Uh, let us know. Yeah. We want to know, we want to hear from you. And, uh, and it seems as though Andrew Shaw is someone that, that, that would be uh, that, that people see would be open or at least they would, uh, they would think that he will be somebody that is open to be moved at the deadline. So we'll get into that a little bit later on the show. Uh, how about your winner of the, of uh, the week, Rick? My winner of the week is uh, Shea Weber. And speaking of players who uh, have been out of the uh, the um, out on on uh, for injuries uh, this season, but still performing very well, there's Shea Weber in uh, 33 games. Um, he has 21 points, nine goals, 12 <laughs> assists, and uh, not too far behind Andrew Shaw with 0.64 points per game um, pace. And um, I think what what kind of uh, we've seen this season is um, Shea Weber emerging and and taking possession of 
uh, along with Carey Price. Uh, Weber, this is Weber and Price's team, and um, and named captain uh, prior to the season uh, beginning. Shea Weber, um, uh, you know, instituted the cape. Shea Weber, even though he was injured, was uh, was always around the team, was traveling with the team. Um, and and making it his own and and um, there's a very good article that appeared this week uh, as Shea Weber returned to to Nashville where he had uh, been captain for uh, so many years um, and and uh, Eric Ingalls talked to him about um, you know his comfort level and he's 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 very comfortable now uh, in the role that he has uh, with the Canadians and you know, you, you may not see it cause he's all business on the ice. And, and most times, um, uh, in his post game, uh, interviews, he's, he's all business. Um, but, um, you know, as his defense partner, uh, Victor Manta said, uh, Shay's the guy, he's the guy, he's the guy that controls the room. He's the guy that's, uh, making jokes, keeping it up, uh, putting pressure on guys. He's the guy in practice that, uh, remind you that you've got a game coming up. Uh, you know, he doesn't let up. And, and you mentioned Andrew Shaw. Um, and in the article, they reference uh, Shaw coming up, uh, you know, just just been cleared for contact. And Shea Weber made sure that Andrew Shaw knew what contact felt like in practice. <laughs> um, and uh, they asked Brendan Gallagher. And Brendan Gallagher said, uh, you know, um, uh, I, 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 he prepares me for games because he's tough and, and, and that's the way it should be. Uh, they asked Jonathan Drouin he, and he said, in practice, I stay clear of him. I don't go anywhere near Shea Weber. Um, <laughs> I stay away from him as much as possible. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, 11 season was with the predators, the trade and, and the comparisons, um, and, and, and while he was, you know, one of the leaders on the team now that he's assumed the captaincy, as I said, I think it's clear that it's his team, um, along with price and, and, um, you know, he played his 900th game it was kind of fitting that he played his, uh, 900th game in Nashville, uh, yeah. on, on Thursday night, a huge accomplishment. And, um, and it, on that, um, uh, occasion, a number of um, his former teammates took an opportunity to to speak about him, and and um, it was Pekka Rene who um, said that uh, back in um, uh, I think it was the the 2012 season um, in the summer, Pekka Rene had uh, hip surgery, a serious surgery, and and. Yeah. Uh, rather than spend the summer in in Finland, uh, the club wanted uh, Pekka Rene to, to to stay in in Nashville so they could keep an eye on his uh, recovery and his progress. It was, pro- it was about a four month rehab, um, and uh, Pekka Rene was all alone. So Shea Weber uh, said, "Come on over. Uh, you're staying with me as soon as you get out of the hospital." Um, <laughs> and uh, Pekka Rene said. <laughs> What I remember is that Shay has two massive dogs. They're like horses. Um, <laughs> so he said, I stayed there and these dogs never left my side. They seemed to know that something was wrong. They were protective. Um, Shay Weber has uh, a great Dane. 
named Doug, who's about 200 pounds. He has an English Mastiff named Rod, who weighs about 160 pounds. These dogs just never left left Pecorene's side. Uh, Weber's wife cooked, and and um, um, uh, Rene said it was like being in a spa, and and just talked <laughs> about the kind of person that um, Shea Weber is. Spoke a bit about his his. Uh, uh, charity work and the kinds of things that uh, we don't really see, um, but the, what he, the the kind of uh, of guy he is for his teammates, um, and for all those reasons, uh, I thought it was a good time to to make Shea Weber my winner of the week. Of course, he has two massive dogs. They they have to fend for themselves <laughs> in the mountains with Shea Weber. They have to be able to. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's like, right. It, it, it makes complete sense. I mean, Che Weber is, and you hear it when Mac, and when I made the point earlier this season, when Brendan Gallagher, when I thought Brendan Gallagher should have been the captain, and Brendan Gallagher has been very adamant that, that Che Weber is the captain of this team. And, and I think that that says everything that you need to know is the other candidate or the other guy that was perceived to be the other candidate, or at least the, uh, the leading candidate alongside Che Weber to be the captain has been so vocal about the fact that Shea Weber is one of the best leaders, one of the best teammates that he has ever come across in the game of hockey. And yeah, so Shea Weber, that, that story about Pekka Rene, that, that comes as a very little surprise with a guy like Shea Weber. And, and I think everyone within the uh, Montreal Canadiens organization sees exactly the same thing, a great teammate and, and a great leader. So, uh, yeah, no, no doubt a great choice. And it's, it's very fitting that, yeah, as you say, his 900th game, there was no other place that it should have been. It should have been in Nashville, and it was, which was, uh, was perfect timing and very fitting, as you say. So uh, moving along, from, uh, from the winners of the week, we go to a loser of the week uh, who, who you've selected for this week. I have. Um, and I've selected Louis LeBlanc. Mm. What? <laughs> Why? Right. Why? Why? Is it 2012 Louis again? Who's Louis LeBlanc? <laughs> well, um, Louis LeBlanc was uh, Canadian's first round uh, draft choice in uh, 2009, um, mm. went 18th overall. Uh, and the draft was in Montreal. I was there in the, in the Bell Centre. Um, to see uh, uh, Trevor Timmons uh, uh, go to the the podium and and call um, Quebecer uh, Louis LeBlanc. So, um, but why are we talking about him? Uh, that was almost ten years ago. Well, we're talking <laughs> about him um, because Louis LeBlanc felt it necessary um, to write an open letter to Canadians fans this week that appeared on the Radio Canada uh, website. Um, and um, I guess uh, Louis not happy with his legacy as, as, as most will know that, that Louis, um, you know, he, he, it didn't work out. It just didn't work out. Um, and, um, he was, uh, eventually traded to Anaheim for nothing and, and, and truly nothing, uh, cause it was a conditional pick that the conditions weren't met. Um, and then Louis went off, um, and played briefly in the KHL, Slovakia and, and, um, Swiss league, and then retired from hockey at, 
age of 25. Um, and he's upset, I guess, because as he goes from place to place, um, he's met in coffee shops and restaurants and, and, um, um, the, somebody will approach him and say, what happened? Um, <laughs> how can you be the 18th pick overall by the Montreal Canadiens and then be retired by the time you're 25 years old with virtually no accomplishments in between? Um, and uh, um, Louis says uh, maybe he'll never understand why. Well, I, I think I can help. That's what I'm here to do is help. I'm here to help. <laughs> but, but first, before, before I offer my, my help for, uh, <laughs> for Louis to understand, uh, let me just – this letter is long. You've read it? Yeah, I, I yeah. did, just to, just, to, just to get the general sense of what he's talking about, yeah. Let me give you the the short version. Um, <laughs> he starts uh, a fl- a flop, a mistake, a failure. I've heard it all um, from his detractors, and he says his detractors have been numerous and still are. He's heard that he he's he's been told that he's arrogant and lazy. Um, there's some truth to that. Um, but he says that that all of these things that he's heard don't really bother him. Hasn't hasn't stopped him from sleeping. Well, hasn't stopped <laughs> stopped him from writing letters to <laughs> open letters to Canadians fans, uh, wanting to to change the uh, you know the narrative about him. Um, so he says, let me let me explain because he doesn't think that people understand how much sacrifice there is in in be- becoming an athlete. And and I think I think we understand that. Um, but some players sacrifice more than others. Um, but anyway, he goes on and, and talks about, um, uh, you know, way back, uh, grew up in the West Island, was always the best player on every team he was on. Um, he had he had talent. He had, you know, um, he talks about uh, at the midget level and the number of points he had and, and – um, all of that sort of thing, you know, I, I, you may not know this, Joe, but um, I had one year, I had 357 goals in our road hockey. Yeah. In our road hockey. Really? Terry. Yeah. My next door neighbor, Terry Webb, uh, he was awful. And sometimes he'd bring uh, his dad in hip waders and he wasn't, he wasn't any better. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, Louie was also pretty good um, at that age. Um, but anyway, uh, he, 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 his dream was to, um, uh, he, he, he went from, uh, the Lac St. Louis Lions, um, and, and then went to the Omaha Lancers, um, in the the USHL. And, uh, then his, he had an opportunity to go to Harvard. Um, and so that's what he chose to do. Um, and as you know, they don't play a lot of games. Louis played 31 games, 11 goals, 12 assists, 23 points. Mm. Um, yeah. So, um, and, and um, but prior to that, out of Omaha, um, Louis was um, drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. Now, um, to fill in, um, 
Trevor Timmons has since spoke um, about that draft. It was in Montreal yeah. at the Bell Centre, 2009. The, the All Habs Hockey Magazine, that was our first uh, time at the draft. We took 50 uh, uh, fans from, you know, ran a contest, took 50 fans from all over uh, Canada, the United States. Uh, they came to Montreal. We all went to the draft. We we're sitting in a group. Um, and we heard uh, Louis LeBlanc's name called, and the place went nuts, and they started chanting, Louis, Louis, Louis. And uh, Louis remembers that. Um, you know, Trevor Timmons from the Omaha Lancers, yeah, Louis LeBlanc, a Quebecer, it was his dream come true. But we've heard Trevor Timmons say, mm, he was on our list, but Louis wasn't really our pick. Our pick was Chris Kreider. Um, Chris Kreider, who was taken the very next pick by the New York Rangers. Um, and some say then put Carey Price out of the playoffs mm. and ruined the, the, the one opportunity in the past 25 years for the Canadians to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> How things could have been different if the Canadians had taken yeah. Chris Kreider. And the reason, the reason um, uh, Trevor Timmons said, we, you know, we, we couldn't have announced uh, we would have been taken out in body bags uh, had we announced yeah. a, a player from the U.S. And also, um, he said, we had a directive uh, from on high. And, and why? Well, Jeff Molson had just purchased the team. Jeff Molson wanted to make a big splash. Jeff Molson wanted to show that he was going to be different. He was going to be prioritizing Quebecers. Uh, and he wanted Louis LeBlanc. And in his co-GM kind of role that we've talked about before, Jeff Molson. Um, let's, let's suggest that he insisted uh, that, that Louis LeBlanc was taken. Yeah. So um, Louis, his letter goes on that his life changed um, and that he felt a pressure playing, playing uh, in the NCAA uh, away from Montreal. This was the, the big hope and dream for, for uh, uh, Montreal Canadiens fans. Um, and, and Jeff Molson was investing a lot. And pressure was put on Louis to um, come to Montreal and to be closer so that he could get the kind of exposure. And, and you know, um, in the queue, it was felt that he would play more games. And, and um, yeah. um, you know, he would, he would, it would help his development. Problem is, his Q rights were owned by Shakutami. Mm. So there was some pressure again. Canadians are a very powerful team, powerful yeah. off the ice um, in Quebec, and some pressure was put on, and a trade happened so that the Montreal Juniors acquired the rights to Louis LeBlanc in exchange from Shakutami in exchange for Guillaume Aslan. Guillaume Aslan, wow. it's, which is interesting because everything yeah. kind of comes full circle. <laughs> uh, Aslan would play in, in Shakutami. He, he then went on to university hockey and would eventually end up signing um, uh, and, and played in Brampton, uh, was called up by the Ice Caps. Um, mm-hmm. it, it didn't really work out there because yeah, no. he couldn't skate at that point. But um, yeah, so anyway, um, there was was uh, Louis LeBlanc um, in Montreal playing for the Montreal Juniors, um, 
and and that season, the 2010-11 season, 58 points in 51 games. Um, not so bad. No. Um, next season, to the Hamilton Bulldogs, um, he got his call up, got his first goal. Um, he thought he was, you know, uh, moving along here. And and it was funny because there was all kinds of hype. We forget the hype. There's a there's a blog that likes to think they have their eyes on things and they guaranteed that Louis LeBlanc would be the next 50 goal scorer in Montreal guaranteed based on, based on the number of shots he was taking and whatnot in, in, um, uh, in junior with the Montreal juniors. Um, you know, um, he he. There was an injury. Um, he he didn't look as good when he got called up by Montreal. There was the the um, Jacques Martin got got fired. There's some changeover, um, and Louis wasn't really performing very well. Um, he wasn't really listening. He wasn't really uh, doing what the Canadian, the Canadians were on, on him, uh, each season, his skating was a problem about, um, about improving his skating in the summer. He wasn't all that interested. Um, and so he got traded to Anaheim and on and on and on. Um, he goes on to say that, that, um, probably the reason that things happened is that the expectations were high, higher because he was a Quebecer. I, I, don't think so. Um, And that he got too much pressure. Um, And that he retired. Um, uh, He wants to assure fans that he gave everything he had, absolutely everything he insists. Uh (laughs) If that was was everything, um, I think it's obvious why he didn't make it. And what's next for Louis LeBlanc? He sees himself as a general manager for an NHL team. Ooh. Lots of yeah. Goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's going to be handed to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right, that's, that's his letter. Um, uh, and, and I think most people know the story. I, I just have a couple of things to add that, that maybe, maybe things that I haven't said before. And, and, you know, when, when Louis got, um, acquired by the Montreal juniors, um, that's in my neighborhood. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the Denny Savard arena in Verdun, um, I'd zip over there and watch Louis LeBlanc, um, playing for the Montreal juniors. Um, Louis LeBlanc was, was always the last player down the ice, um, skating one issue. He would never go in the corners. He'd like to do all his, all the heavy lifting, um, dig the puck and and listen. He he was smart. Um, yeah. Despite his his limitations in skating, he had great hands, great shot, uh, very smart. He knew where to go. He'd let his linemates do all the work, and he'd finish it off. Um, mm-hmm. At that stage, Louis LeBlanc was as dirty as they came. Um, he was sticking guys where there was no equipment. Uh, yeah. You know, the back of the lake, he, he, the stick work uh, was Thomas, Thomas Placanitz-esque. Um, <laughs> and he would, you know, 
anytime uh, that there would be someone would would uh, challenge him, he would back away. His teammates would go in and, and look after it for him. Um, yeah. There was there. It could be seen at that stage, his his work ethic. I faithfully went to every development camp, uh, watched every drill. And it was Louis LeBlanc who was um, uh, he was cutting corners in the drills. So his poor skating wasn't as evident. He was yeah. cheating. He would he would lose a puck and grab another. He, he he was he was yeah he was cheating. And to see him lose the skating um, um, sprint against Jared Tenority, you knew something was <laughs> wrong. Um, oh, but my. it it was when I went to Lake Placid. Um, Amy Johnson and I we went to Lake Placid for. Uh, what is now called the the World Junior Summer Showcase. Back then, it was National Junior Development uh, Camp, and um, we got to the the uh, the old um, um, hi- historic uh, arena early one day. The the really old arena in Lake Placid. There's two of them there. Miracle on Ice was on one, and there's the old arena. We got there early and went in, and and it's very tiny. Um, the the spectator. <laughs> There's room for about three journalists and uh, 20 spectators. It's tiny in there. Um, so you're right on top of the ice and walked in and who's on the ice, but Louis LeBlanc. Now he had nothing to do whatsoever with the camp. Nothing. <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't on any roster. I want to stress that, but he was there with a skating coach that had been hired we 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 went out and and uh, there was an, uh, an attendant said no they just started and it's fine go in and and uh, so we watched and um Louis LeBlanc was um lazy in the drills he was um he wasn't listening to his uh, instructor he was being abusive he was uh, lots of profanity yelling screaming at his at his instructor um he he wasn't happy that we were there um and um he he you just see he had this entitled kind of attitude and and he he was doing a drill where he skated down the ice and and he missed you know he 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 lost an edge and he went crashing into the boards and i guess he was embarrassed and he started screaming at the instructor saying it was his fault um, and he didn't have to put up with this guy. And so he started skating off the ice to the dressing room. The instructor said, hey, um, if you're going to quit, um, you clean up the ice first, because there was, there was sticks and pucks and, and stuff. And Louis said, you clean it up. That's what I'm paying you for. Um, <laughs> it was unreal. It was unreal. Um, and it kind of showed the, the attitude of, of Louis LeBlanc. Um, you know my background. You know how heavily involved I am with education, and uh, and I have mm-hmm. pretty good connections at McGill. And when when Louis was was made the decision to come to the Montreal Juniors and play in the queue, um, his parents uh, insisted that that um, he be enrolled in, at McGill to you know, continue his education that he had started in Harvard. And my, my 
colleagues at McGill who are um, reasonably high up um, said that Louis LeBlanc on direction of the Montreal Canadiens absolutely got the um, red carpet treatment everywhere he went. Every regulation was set aside. Every prerequisite was waived. Um, And that they began to know Louis at uh, McGill by his favorite phrase. And that was, don't you know who I am? And I think, I think that's where Louis doesn't get it. I think that's where he doesn't get it. That on the ice, when he, you know, figuratively says to uh, an opposing player, don't you know who I am? Don't you know I was picked in the first round? Don't you know I was 18? I don't care. Just, you know, the teammates that he's competing against for a roster spot, they don't care. And Louis has that entitled attitude that he figured that, you know, he didn't have to work too hard. Everything was going to be handed to him. And uh, that's just not how hockey works. And so Louis finds himself in a position he didn't expect. And, uh, and now he's not very happy about it. And he's trying to change the legacy, change the narrative. And he wrote this article. And so in a very long winded way, and I apologize for that. um, No, no. I have made Louis LeBlanc um, my loser of the week. This was, this was necessary because, and when I was looking up this just before the show, to try to get the general sense of what he was saying, I saw a lot of people say, you know what? Good on him. Good on him. He was, he's saying what needs to be said about his life, about way, the way that things all shook out. But there's a context behind this, and that's the part that's getting missed. You're hearing one side of a story that has multiple parts and you're assuming that because this is the guy who's lived through it, or at least lived through this is his life that he is giving you all the information that you need. When in fact, there are other people who can provide you the other side of the story or the other side, other perspectives of those of that, the the same story. And uh, yeah, it's easy to see. And it was easy to see that even without that extra context that you, uh, you uh, provided us and, and that was uh, very much necessary, especially the story about him at the uh, with the skating instructor. That provided everything that we uh, that we needed to know. But also, just by watching him, you could see that there was not that drive or that intensity. And uh, it's one thing to be a first round draft pick; it's another thing to live up to it. And he talked about pressure. You don't think that Yasperi Kotkaniemi is is feeling pressure? I mean, yes, of course that kid is feeling pressure. But he's got a work ethic, and he's a smart kid, too. He knows the game. He can do a lot of the things, you know, that, as you say, that maybe he's not the most fleet of foot, but he can do things that, uh, you know, that, that most people can't do. He has uh, uh, ability with his stick. He has the, the you know, that uh, re- remarkable playmaking ability. And even if Louis LeBlanc had half of that, you know, as you say, he was a little bit skilled. He did have the ability to finish plays off. He doesn't have the drive that Yasperi Kotkaniemi has. He doesn't have the drive that any of those players. There's how many roster spots. I mean, that was not a good team in 2012. There would have been an opportunity for him had he seized it. And that was the thing. He didn't have the drive. And that was what made him so frustrating, is that he never had the drive for a second. And he wanted everything to be handed to him. And as you point out, 
that's exactly as as he said about uh, as you said about his treatment at McGill and what he said to all those people. Who do you think I am? Because he thought that things should be handed to him, and unfortunately, that's not the way that life works, and that's not the way that hockey works. So, yeah, very much deserved yeah. loser of the week. I, I think I would have a whole lot more respect for for Louis if he. I, I mean, th- there was obvious. Um, uh, attitude, uh, character, yeah. work ethic, all of these things were lacking in Louis LeBlanc. And, and, and I would have a lot more respect for him if he said, you know what? Um, I look back and I regret that I didn't make the most of a very special opportunity that I was given. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think people would have respected that. Um, but he's still living in this kind of delusional um, not not very self aware and um, and and I I I hope he gets there someday I I really yeah. do uh, it's an important life lesson yeah. absolutely and you know I don't want anyone to be uh, you know to be putting themselves in this position and, and you know open to this kind of a discussion so yes I I agree with you wholeheartedly there um, so with all that said I suppose it'll be that about that time that we take just a quick break we mentioned about an eternity ago, <laughs> that the Montreal Canadiens have a new look fourth line. We're going to dive into that fourth line, how they performed against Nashville. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to dive right in with that and, and, and perhaps to see if maybe there's another move to be made. So stick around. We'll be back after this. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rockets more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection. Uh, we mentioned off the top of the show, we were talking a little bit about the fourth line of the Montreal Canadiens. We discussed last week about, you know, the uh, the addition of Dale Weiss 
and, and, and the fourth line as a whole and how that's going to be looking going forward. And we got a little bit of a, a, a bit more of, a, of an answer, at least a, a clue as to what the Montreal Canadiens fourth line is going to look like going forward. Because on Monday, the Montreal Canadiens acquired Nate Thompson for a fourth in this year's draft. And along with Nate Thompson, they received a fifth in 2019. Just an important detail is the fourth is belonged to Calgary originally, and the fifth belonged to Arizona originally. So if you look at the standings right now, not a huge drop for the Montreal Canadiens with, uh, with respect to their uh, potential uh, slot in, in this upcoming draft. But, you know, getting a guy like Nate Thompson, that's, that's an improvement over what had been there, at least for most of the season, with Michael Chaput. Well, uh, indeed, uh, you know, on paper, uh, Nate Thompson, um, Dale Weiss, better than, than uh, yeah. Agostino, bigger, better than Chapu, um, who are primarily uh, career AHLers. Um, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, um, and I, I think um, I liked what I saw a little more out of Agostino than, than let's say, Delorier and Chapu, and, and so did the New Jersey uh, devils as as they claimed uh, Agostino when he went on waivers um, I, I think for Dale Weiss um, uh, fans still have a very soft spot uh, in their heart <laughs> for him and why wouldn't you I mean why yeah. wouldn't you um, just a heart and soul kind of player uh, attitude character all the things that we said was missing in the last segment uh, Dale Weiss has them in, in spades now if you watch Dale Weiss the last um, year, year, two seasons, um, he's just not the same player that, that we have in our memories uh, when he was with yeah. the Canadians. Um, he's, his skating is still there. He's still four checks. But, uh, you know, um, uh, in their debut against Nashville, uh, the fourth line had a tough time. And, uh, yeah. you know, the, the Corsi numbers, Corsi for a percentage, Thompson was at 32%. Dale Weiss, thirty uh, percent. Delorey, twenty-five percent. Meaning they're they're getting dominated on their shifts. Yeah. Um, and what the Canadians need is is um, because when you're playing a high tempo game um, and using your speed, you need all four lines going to give those other lines the the rest that they need when they're putting out so much energy. And that was the issue with. Um, you know, Julian couldn't trust um, the uh, um, folks that he had there. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think the the issue for me was um, Julian said this week, yeah, we have we have Delorier, we have Weiss, we have Thompson. Doesn't that remind you of of Campbell and Paye and Thornton? Um, and he was making the, the comparison back to the Bruins of 2010, which, all right, we know that's what he likes. We know he likes the Steve Otts and, and, um, and the, uh, Martineau and, and that kind of uh, Logan Shaw and, and that kind of fourth line. Uh, but is that the, li- the, the, the type of fourth line obviously successful in 2010? that is still successful in 2019. Um, and I think for me, and, and we talked about this um, off air, um, that we saw, the, we saw the, the Jets and we saw the Leafs recently. 
And for yeah. me, that's that's kind of the modern NHL fourth line. With the Jets, you have Andrew Kopp, who you like. Um, Brendan yeah. Lemieux brings that grit. Uh, Mason Appleton, smart, skilled player. They have speed. They have youth. They have they have a little bit of of everything, and and they can get you some goals. The Leafs yep. we saw the Leafs dominated um, the uh, the Canadians. Uh, their fourth line, Frederick Gauthier, who who we all like. Um, Par Lindholm, uh, Andres Janssen was was uh, third star in that game, um, and and Andres Janssen, you know, uh, um, after that game, uh, Mike Babcock was was forced to move him up to the third line. That's the kind of that's the kind of fourth line you want. Players who yeah. are are young and, and and forcing you to consider moving them up the lineup. Um, and and I don't know if if that's going to be the case certainly wasn't the case with with uh the Chapu, the pekka you know uh they filled in above uh, uh, uh when there was injury issues but but not forcing you to move them up and and yeah, i think no. that's that's the issue that that i have with this revamp fourth line better than better than um better than it was yes but is it in the mold of a modern nhl fourth line yeah and you know i'm willing to give these guys some time like I'll, i'd be willing to say that you know what nashville first game of the, of your with your new team that's a bit of a tough draw and you know what i think that as you mentioned in your recap yes the uh the Corsi four percentage for that fourth line was not pretty at all. Uh, Nate Thompson looked a little bit better on the penalty kill. I think that's something that he provides that wasn't was, there yeah. before. Yeah, and that's, very good on the and penalty that's kill. That's going to be valuable. Yeah, that's going to be valuable for Philip Deneau because Philip Deneau has been used and used and used and used again and again and again because he's the only guy that Claude Julien could trust at least a little bit. And I know that you and we've talked about thinking you spare cut could be a guy in that position, but at this point in his career, Claude Julian wants to be a little bit more careful about that. And I under, and, and that's a little bit understandable, but what did you just meant? You mentioned two fourth lines, the Leafs fourth line and the, uh, and the Jets fourth line. And what are five out of six of those players that you just mentioned? prospects that were turned out by their AHL affiliates. That's right. And those are guys that you draft, you develop, you transition properly from the AHL to the NHL. And that's my issue with this. I'm willing to give these guys time because Nate Thompson has a body of work that suggests at the very least, he can give you 10 minutes. The foot speed may be a little bit questionable, but face-offs, he'll win just over half of them for you. And that's great. But when you look back to October, if the Montreal Canadiens make the right decisions, then you don't need to make this trade right now. And that's the frustrating part, is that we've talked at length about the transitioning of AHL players to the NHL. And I said at the beginning of the season, if you're going to, at some point, you have to value your own system. When they went out and got Matthew Pekka, they show that they don't value their own system. They'd rather go get the scraps from a team like Tampa Bay, who, yes, Matthew Pekka, he put up 40 points three consecutive years in the AHL. But that isn't exactly, you know, that's not uh, blowing it up or anything. That is, that's a good player in the AHL. Nothing more than that. And I, and I don't think that if, if you have Jacob Delarose right now, and I know that when we say that, there are a portion of this fan base that, that 
you know, shakes their heads and says, why are we still talking about this guy? Well, we're talking about this guy because the fourth line has been dreadful. And having a young guy that could potentially fill that role and, as you say, maybe move up and down the lineup because last season, Jakob Delarose didn't look terrible between, uh, well, alongside of Alex Galchenyuk for a, a period of time. And if you go back and, and you look at the way that he can kind of shift up and down the lineup, be a reliable player, well, I mean, yeah, you just got Nate Thompson because he's a reliable player, but Nate Thompson is 34 years old. I mean, you look at the decisions that this team has made, and that's where it's frustrating. I'm going to give Nate Thompson and Dale Weiss the benefit of the doubt because when Paul Byron comes back, you know, you're going to be seeing a little bit of a different fourth line, hopefully, and, and maybe that would include an Andrew Shaw in that. As we talked about earlier, maybe Andrew Shaw shifts down back to the fourth line, but then you have the issues of, well, maybe he's not that kind of a player. Maybe he plays a little bit better with the, you know, within the top nine, and, and, you know, it just becomes a bit of a numbers game where is that fourth line ever going to look like a modern-day fourth line? I don't think it will. And as long as you have Nick Delorier there and, and, and you know, Claude Julien with the mindset of, of looking like a 2011 Stanley Cup winning fourth line, which, yes, it did win a Stanley Cup, but 2011 is a long time ago. And uh, what worked then? ain't going to work right now. And as we said, we, we saw two fourth lines that, that fit a lot better in the modern NHL. And that's something that the Montreal Canadiens maybe could have had if you make the right decisions in October. And I think, yeah, you mentioned uh, Nicholas Delorier and, and there's another player that, that uh, there's a bit of a mythology about and, and fans, you know, there's a good segment of, of uh, the fan base that loves him. And uh, they they rave about the the season that he had last year. Um, just just to put a dose of reality in there, um, Nicholas Delorier had a very good two months of the season last year. Uh, in December and January, the, that's 22 games. He had 10 points. 22 games. He had 10 points. Seven goals, three assists. December and January. If you look though, and you add up all the other months, November. February, March, April, 36 games, he had four points. Four points in 36 games in those four months, 10 points in 22 games in December and January. So Nicholas Deloria contributed, and, and great for him that he, he played well um, for December and January, but he was, he, he, he was invisible for the rest of the season. And he's continued that in uh, this season. He has three points in 42 games uh, this season. Um, he's, you know, there's, there's seven points in, in, in 78 games, almost a, a full season uh, between last year and, and this. Um, so uh, Nicholas Delore is, is that weak link. And, and getting back to your point, which I thought was a very good one, um, uh, decisions that were made. Um, uh, Jakob De La Rose, uh, if you have a uh, Jakob De La Rose and, and a Daniel Carr on your fourth line this season, um, do you have more of, of, of a, uh, a, a modern kind of fourth line like the Jets and Leafs? Of course you do. Uh, yeah. Are you sending a message to your, uh, the rest of your prospects that you value your prospects and there's opportunities for them? If they apply themselves, absolutely. 
uh, are Daniel Carr and, and uh, Jacob De La Rose uh, better than Dale Weiss and Nate Thompson? No question. I, if you argue with me about that, you just have, uh, you know, uh, an, uh, a, a, a bias against Jacob De La Rose. But as far as possession and faceoffs and penalty kill, and he can equal Nate Thompson, he's a better point producer than Nate Thompson. Um, and, and certainly Daniel Carr uh, is tearing it up this season. Uh, in both the AHL and 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 the call-ups that he's he's had to to Vegas, so um, that's what I I think the mistakes are. And and the other yeah. component of this, and I know I know the Canadians have tons of money and and they can spend as much as they want, and they got tons of cap room. But cap room is a very valuable commodity, and that runs out very quick. Quick, and when you're yeah. filling uh, your fourth line with players from outside the organization. Uh, it gets expensive pretty quick. You have about $5 million devoted to Weiss, Thompson, and Delorier right now. Um, yeah. If you, we were talking earlier, if, if it gets, if, if um, the lineup gets healthy um, and, and you've got Shaw with Thompson and Weiss, uh, that fourth line is all of a sudden uh, an $8 million fourth line. Um, yeah. And and compare that to to what the Leafs and the the Jets are spending. Compare that to what you would have spent if you were promoting your own. If you had a Jacob De La Rosa, if you had a Daniel Carr, um, the, those those start to catch up with you and become expensive yeah. decisions. And just a side point, because I, in a segment devoted to the fourth line, I'm going to address the inevitable. Why are we talking about the fourth line comments? Well, because if you're going to get where you want to get, the fourth line matters because you cannot anywhere if you cannot roll four lines or at least trust your fourth line for more than an eight-minute period because if, you know, like this is the modern-day NHL and you need to have speed. And to have speed, you need to be well-rested. And so you need to have guys that you can trust to be out there long enough at least to give your guys a little bit of a breather. And the fourth line this season has not been able to do that. And that's why you see uh, uh, going out and getting a Nate Thompson. But, you know, that's the point. We go back to October. You have guys that could fulfill that role and are far cheaper alternatives. So this is what the problem has been. And we, we can only hope that it changes because the Montreal Canadiens, they have got a, uh, they, they've got their cupboards about as full as they've been with, in terms of prospects. And some of those guys might not be the high off offensive guys that, you know, you see within your top six. So it'll be about transitioning the guys that are, you know, maybe they will just be fourth liners, third or fourth liners, but those guys can provide something. And we're seeing guys like that provide something to Stanley cup contenders like Toronto and Winnipeg. So the Montreal Canadians will need to follow suit and get with the 2019, get with the modern day NHL. So shall we move on, Rick? Shall we take a quick break? Uh, yeah. After the break, we're going to uh, uh, read some of your responses uh, to our question of the week. Um, and, uh, uh, and that question, there's still time to, um, to let us know. Uh, which players should Bergevin make available to improve the Habs at the trade deadline? Um, send your answers to uh, the All Habs fan page on Facebook. Uh, 
get a hold of us on Twitter or text us at five eight five three rocket five eight five three rocket and we'll get uh, we'll read your responses on the air. Yeah, so do all of those things, and uh, when we come back, we are going to read some comments. So stick around; we'll be back. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. the Canadians Connection Podcast. We threw it out just before we went to break. The question of the week for this week, which players should Mark Bergevin make available to improve the Habs at the trade deadline? And we've been getting responses on Twitter. We're getting them on Facebook. We're getting them everywhere. And, you know, there's been a lot of people, and, and I guess we'll start with, uh, with Amy Johnson, our own Amy Johnson at Flyers Rule with the uh, AHL report. I'd say Houdon, Delorier, Pekka, Niemi, Shaw, Dano, Riley. Gives you space to promote young players for the end of the season, for playoffs, or preparation for next year. Unloads some dead weight on the fourth line. Lindgren can be called up. McNiven goes number one in Laval. So there's your, you know, that has a, that's an all-encompassing look from the NHL and AHL perspective. And we'd expect nothing less from the, uh, the, uh, the lead contributor at the AHL report. And, uh, yeah, so other people throwing out Arturi Lekkanen. So, the Lacadien saying, so the players available for Houdon, uh, the players available are Houdon, Lindgren, and Riley, but they wouldn't improve as much by giving away those three. Not much value. I'm slowly starting to listen when Lekkanen appears in discussions. And Lekkanen, someone that comes around a fair bit, our own Blaine Pop fan, saying, uh, if he wants a legitimate top three left-handed defenseman, he'll have to pay a hefty fee at the deadline. Someone like Lekkanen may have to part, or may have to be a part of that cost, excuse me. 
And uh, we have Brad at Hutch five hundred uh, underscore five one nine saying Shaw, Houdon, Alsner. Anything more from the back would depend on Juleson's diagnosis. And uh, yeah, we we've been getting a lot of Lekkonens, a lot of Shaws, a lot of Udons and Delorier, uh, and, and that seems to be the dominant theme. I mean, you have a lot of forwards right now. Maybe our maybe our Trey Lekkonen is the odd man out. I don't personally think so but you know it, it's a it's a valid question you have a lot of guys when Paul Byron comes back so what's Facebook saying yeah I think just on that just on that yeah. point um, um, I think it's it's dangerous uh, to yeah. look at a Lekkonen. Um I know that that um, it's not always apparent um, the value of a player like that the kind of contributions that he has and he's a 200 foot player uh, we know that but if you look at, at the, you know, advanced stats that he's an absolute monster when it comes to driving possession and um, the things that he does other than accumulate points, he helps other players be successful. He's the guy that causes turnovers. He's the guy that, that, that take, takes uh, the puck away. Um, And he's been, if you're happy with, with the, the success so far of uh, Jesperi Kakaniemi, uh, part of the credit has to go to uh, Lekkonen and Armia, by the way. Um, yeah. And and because they they contribute kind of intangible things to uh, to make make others better um, uh, around them. Um, and Andrew Shaw um, and and that's that's a name that comes up on Facebook. Again, a lot of that's driven by his contract. Uh, um, if he ends yeah. up either this year. Uh, as the Canadians get healthier or next year uh, with some of the prospects slotting in, if Andrew Shaw is, is a $4 million player on your fourth line, uh, you, you might've wished that uh, he was a, a trade deadline move the previous year to take advantage of what you said, uh, his, uh, his stellar season so far and, yeah. uh, and his ability to contribute to a, a, a playoff team. Um and, and, you know, um, Antiniemi is, uh, I've seen that, uh, Antiniemi's had a rough season, um, uh, but goaltending, uh, as the playoffs come up, uh, an experienced goaltender might be, uh, in, uh, in need. And, uh, certainly Charlie Lindgren has shown that he can step in. Charlie Lindgren was outstanding last night. Uh, the, yeah. Cana- the, uh, Lavelle rocket broke a seven game, uh, losing streak and it was all due to to uh, uh, Charlie Lindgren, um, uh, particularly some huge saves in the last four minutes of the game. He willed the Rocket to uh, to win that game against the Devils last night. Yeah, and I've been I've been calling for it all season. Uh, indeed, you've been very consistent about that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so well, if you want to, um, as we wrap things up, if you yeah. want, we still love to hear from you. If you want to contribute, yeah. uh, f- you can find me. Uh, the The Twitter name is all Habs. You can find Joe, Joe Whalen 19. You can find the show's uh, Twitter, uh, which is Habs Connection, uh, for the Canadians Connection. You can uh, look for all Habs on Facebook, all one word, all Habs, and, and contribute on our fan page. You can send us a text at 5853-ROCKET. Um, and uh, you know what? We have a lot of fun doing this. We have a great team um, who put together some other podcasts 
Uh, yeah. From the press box, uh, there's Amy Johnson. Have a listen with Lewis and Gibby. Habs Unfiltered with Trey uh, Blaine and Matt. If you want to join us, if you think you have something to say um, and, and, uh, and you feel that you, you want to join our team and, and maybe you're a, maybe you're a, 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 a let's say a, a, a developer of, of a website developer. Maybe you're a graphic designer. Uh, maybe you want to be a writer. Uh, why don't you join the Rocket Sports team and go to allhabs.net and look for the join our team uh, tab and, and put an application and, and we're always keeping an eye out for really talented people who are uh, committed and loyal and, and uh, would help us. Uh, we, we've got a wonderful group of people, and uh, you, you, might, you might just want to join us and have uh, the kind of fun that, that Joe and I have every Saturday at <laughs> p.m. Yeah, the more the merrier. Join on in, and we, we, we'd be happy to have you. And then, as we said, we have a, a lot of great people and a lot of great podcasts, as you say, and you can uh, – you can, uh, you can get the Canadians Connection podcast along with Habs, uh, Habs Unfiltered, Have a Listen, and the AHL Report podcast from the Press Box on all your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can just search for Rocket Sports Radio and subscribe to get all of them, the entire Rocket Sports family of podcasts. So yeah, we'll be back with you this time next week to discuss all things Montreal Canadiens. That'll be at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Newfoundland time. So we will talk to you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.